Welcome to the HR Room Podcast, the podcast series from Insight HR, where we talk to business leaders from around Ireland and share their advice on how to create the HR systems and workplace culture that's right for your business. For show notes and bonus content, simply visit www.insighthr.ie forward slash podcast. And remember, if you need any HR support, get in touch with us at Insight HR. Whether it's conducting a complex workplace investigation, filling a gap by providing you with a virtual or on-site HR resource, or providing advice via our HR support line, we'll help you resolve whatever human resources challenge your business is facing. Okay. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to another episode of the HR Room podcast. Christmas parties, the highlight of the corporate calendar, the standout celebration for the social club, and a chance to let the hair down with your nearest and dearest colleagues. But if things go wrong, Christmas parties can ruin the spirit of the event, become a holiday headache for HR teams, and leave a sour taste at the table. So what can go wrong? How can we prevent it? And how can we make sure to keep the Christmas spirit safely alive? So to talk to us about this today, we're delighted to be joined by Ashing Parkinson, Partner in the Employment, Immigration and Reward Division at Lewis Silken. Thanks for joining us, Ashing. How are you? Thanks for having me on. Not too bad. And yourself? All good. Thank you very much. Uh, and we're also delighted to be joined by our very own Liam Barton, Senior HR Consultant here at Inside HR. How are you, Liam? Very well, on. Thank you. Bring yourself in. I know it's a little bit early to be talking about Christmas, but you're probably used to that with me anyway. So let's, so let's jump right into Absolutely. Jump right into this one. So, Ashing, I'll come to yourself first. Um, so I suppose kind of a bit of a context setter really. Can HR teams and organizations outline a set of rules to be adhered to at a Christmas party? Like I suppose are people at work when they're at a work event? What's the kind of lay of the land there? Yeah, so absolutely. Um HR, employers, whoever's responsible for making sure that, you know, there are rules and regulations in place when it comes to the workplace can put in place. Um, prescribed rules for, that should be adhered to at a Christmas party and I suppose I'd go one step further and say that they possibly they always should put in place um, such rules um, in order to protect the organisation if there is any fallout from um, having such a work event and I, I know it's not nice to think about the you know the adverse things that, that can happen at an event that should be a celebration of a, a particular occasion um, but it, it it is always better I think to be prepared from the employer's perspective. Um, the workplace um, and any party or any occasion that is celebrated as part of um, an employer's you know um, at an employer's uh, discretion will be considered an extension of the workplace. So the party, the typical Christmas party as we know it, uh, will always be viewed by the relevant authorities in Ireland as um, an extension of the workplace. So um, in order to make sure, just as you would when you're dealing with uh, rules in the workplace, when you're at your desk, when you're in the office, um, if employers look at it through the same lens really when it comes to attending the the Christmas party. Um, so, it, I mean, I don't think it needs to be too draconian approach um, when sitting down and, and trying to come up with prescribed rules or, you know, prescribed behaviours that you'd like to see at the party. But I do think that thought should be given to it by um, the HR team um, such that there is a communication that goes to employees in advance of attending to let them understand what the expectations are in terms of the behaviour at the party itself. Absolutely. I think a lot of Friends fans will be thinking of that Monica Geller quote, I like rules that control the fun. But it is, I know that's in jest, but it does make a lot of sense. So it's, it's good to good to hear that, definitely. Um, I suppose, Liam, what are some of the typical kind of HR challenges that Christmas parties will kind of pose 
again, from a HR perspective, just from our experience over the years, from headlines, all that kind of stuff. Sure. I mean, that, that there's a lot in that question, Owen. Um, that, that, that there's a lot in terms of, I, I was unfortunately earlier in my career, one of that, those people who had responsibility for organizing the Christmas party. And, and I can tell you from, from a tactical or operational viewpoint, that's, that's, that's a job in itself in terms of who to invite, you know, the venue, um, whether there's alcohol or not, when it starts, when it finishes, what type of food or beverage is, is offered. So there's a multiplicity from an operational or um, organizational viewpoint. But there are some real challenges from a HR perspective. And, and typically, um, you know, a lot of issues, you know, at Inside HR in terms of the clients we work with on, a lot of issues arise out of Christmas parties. Um, and a lot of issues arise out of company barbecues or away days or, you know, team building exercises and so on and so forth. And typically, you know, I'm not a prude or I'm not a, a party pooper on. Um, I want to see people enjoy themselves and have some fun, let their hair down as it were, and enjoy themselves in a, a social setting. But I think Ashling is right. You do need to set the parameters and the rules in terms of, I suppose, what we would deem to be acceptable behavior and not acceptable behavior. And certainly, you know, there is a sort of view out there in terms of, well, look, you know, I can just go wild at the Christmas party, sure. I mean, what harm is in it? Um, and we would have had certainly, you know, three to three to four normally workplace investigations, which we would carry out annually, arising out of incidents at Christmas parties. Um, and that's typically on around the conduct and behavior of people and people behaving in a way which they wouldn't normally do at work from nine to five. Um, but it's almost like, you know, something different happens. And so, you know, very often alcohol is involved and people might say things or do things that they wouldn't ordinarily do um, if, 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 if alcohol hadn't been, hadn't been involved. Um, so, you know, typically the normal rules of employment and work apply in terms of the way you interact with people, the way you speak to people, the way you communicate with people. Um, so something that you say or do um, at a Christmas party can be actionable and is actionable um, arising out of that. So, you know, I think sometimes people are sort of more relaxed and let their guard down in terms of, I feel I can really tell my manager at the Christmas party what I think of him or her. And it mightn't exactly be um, in a positive sense. So um, there are challenges arising out of, of uh, Christmas parties where very often people overindulge. And we certainly would have had instances where we were brought in to investigate um, and sometimes dismiss um, separately in relation to workplace uh, uh, or Christmas parties gone wrong. And that's around um, something that might have been said or done. Um, so I do agree with Ashley. I think from a HR perspective, giving some sort of direction or guidance in terms of the rules or the standards of conduct and behavior uh, which you expect from people um, is something that should be done. It, 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 it sounds counterintuitive in terms of, you know, it's a Christmas party, people should be relaxed and should enjoy themselves and have some fun. So therefore, why do we need rules? But even as something as simple as, as reminding people, you are actually considered to be at work. 
um, might be enough. Um, so there are a lot of challenges around it, but equally you want people to enjoy themselves in the social setting and have fun and enjoy themselves with their, with their work. You know? Definitely, and we delve into some of those challenges uh, a bit more as we go through the conversation, because um, there is a lot there, as you said, Liam. Um, actually, just before we do that, is there any kind of case law that might have come, um, that the source might have been a Christmas party, any kind of standout case law for you? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And probably worth outlining that that case law, you know, uh, that uh, has happened in, in recent years, it actually includes circumstances in advance of attending the Christmas party, incidents at the Christmas party and fallouts after the Christmas party. So like there is a before, a middle and an end when it comes to looking at the case law out there and the decisions, um, a multitude of factors. So, for example, you know, communications on a WhatsApp group in advance of the party, what's going to be happening at the party. Um, so never mind just the party itself and incidents that can occur when people maybe have overindulged or, or perhaps haven't even. I think what Lee mentioned there, uh, one point in particular that struck me and, and is worth probably mentioning again is that um, this this kind of culmination of the year and, and people getting together to have a good time, the reminder that they're in work, um, what can often happen is there is generally a disgruntlement or some underlying contentious or conflict that hasn't reared its head all year and that all of a sudden becomes really important on a particular date in December. And then there is a fallout after that fact. And I guess um, without getting into too much detail of the case law, um, from, an abstract, from, you know, from an employer's perspective, to be mindful of the fact that the communications around the Christmas party itself, whilst you can't have control over like um, individual employee groups, um, it's something like that can come back on the employer's door after the after the fact and, and, and you know, has to be dealt with as well as an extension also of the workplace. So um, as I see it, in order to protect an employer in this kind of scenario, it almost shouldn't be just the reminder that everybody's in the workplace before the Christmas party. Um, to get kind of legalistic about it, the, the WRC will expect there to be a level of training provided throughout the year, which will be then uh, representative of how the employer approaches these types of things on an ongoing basis. So I suppose um, if employers are coming to me um, in late November, early December, asking how do they get ready and how do they, do they avoid those cases that I've just referenced um, in terms of their subject matter. Um, ideally, I'd be able to look back and see that they have been providing training around, you know, um, expected behaviour, anti-bullying, anti-harassment throughout the year so that we can then have a reminder back to employees um, on, a, on a gentle basis in, in order not to appear like, you know, too Grinch-like. Um, but that, you know, it, it's evidence of, of kind of the culture in the organisation. So that's your ideal scenario because the, the cases um, that have come out of the actual Christmas party incident. Uh, employers have been criticised for not having those policies in place all, you know, all year, not just for the month of December. So it's definitely more of a holistic approach and an overall approach that employers should be taking, probably prepping for the Christmas party um, and any uh, unsuing, you know, um, fallout from it for, as part of their, their general application of policies in the workplace. Definitely. It turns out to me policies are for the year, not just for Christmas, is a nice little under slogan to, to come off the back of this. Actually, exactly. Um, I suppose Liam, one of the, the main things, unfortunately, that 
We've seen, I suppose, in headlines in various cases about Christmas parties, one topic that keeps coming up is sexual harassment, unfortunately, and there's stats out there to, to show how big of a problem it is. I suppose they, if something like that does happen at a Christmas party, how do HR teams deal with that? Because that's quite a serious issue, isn't it? It's extremely serious, um, one, and it does happen, um, unfortunately. Um, at Insight HR, we, we've advised clients in relation to what to do if and when it does happen. Um, I suppose you, you mentioned the, the policies and procedures, on and they're very important. Um, and to take up the point that, that Ashley has just made, it's important that people are aware of the policies and procedures. So there's no point in having a wonderful, you know, concise policy on sexual harassment if no one knows about it, if no one's been told about it, um, if no one has been provided with training on it. I think another word that, that Ashley mentioned, or maybe it was your cell phone, is, is very, very important in relation to the culture. Um, and and culture is, is incredibly important in terms of setting a high expectation in relation to conduct and behavior. Um, and what are the standards of conduct and behavior which are expected and what, what is tolerable um, and acceptable and what is very clearly not tolerated and won't be, won't be accepted. Um, if sexual harassment does occur, um, it's really, really important that organizations take it very seriously um, and take the, the appropriate action that they feel is, is necessary to address it. And sometimes you can have particular situations on where, for, for instance, there may have been an inappropriate um, incident. And, you know, it may have been an inappropriate incident where a male has acted inappropriately towards a female at, at a Christmas party. And then the organization, you know, seeks to look into it. And the female might say, well, look, you know, I don't really want, I just want to forget about it, to be honest with you. You know, I don't want an investigation. I don't want um, the male dismissed, for instance, or I don't want, you know, um, investigate. I, I just want to forget about it. And I think there's a responsibility then um, to look at the policy and procedure. And also, what would the expectation from a societal point of view or a third party point of view or a reputational point of view be on a responsible employer in that scenario because the the employer have a duty has a duty of care to that female member of staff and the male member of staff but also to other or, or other employees within the organization and it also has to consider their reputation and i think at a minimum on were that to be the case i think the organization the hr department would have to feel feel empowered to address things through the policies and procedures take it very seriously um investigated whether there's a written complaint or not, where they're put on notice that an incident may have occurred and take the appropriate action uh, arising out of that. So I really think um, you need uh, a HR team to be very, very um, serious in terms of applying um, and, and they may not get kudos or they may not get thanks within the organization, but I think in terms of the, the long term, um, it's very, very important that there's a, there's a set of parameters in terms of behaviours and expectations that are set out that people adhere to. And if people don't adhere to those own, um, that there's the appropriate follow-up action. Because very often what happens, and you get feedback, ah, well, something happened at the Christmas party. Yeah, that wasn't really great. But, you know, nothing, nothing of a serious action or a, a took place arising out of it. And I think then you end up, unfortunately, with the culture where people think, well, you know, X did 
XYZ at the Christmas party, but sure he's here at the Christmas party the following year. And sure, look, obviously no action was taken arising out of it. So I do think um, whether something gets reported or not, I think organizations need to have their antenna out in terms of what, what behavior is, is taking place and whether that's contrary to the, the policy and procedure or the culture and values and expectations and norms which they would expect. And, and that would need to be formally addressed um, if matters are of a serious nature. 100%. And it's something you alluded to as well, Ashley, around that culture piece. I know Lee mentioned it there as well. But it is an important one to kind of dig into. I suppose when it comes to putting in preventative measures for things like this, not that sexual harassment or these bad things are likely at an event, but it is important to be proactive about these things to reduce the risks and to obviously have a that positive culture built around it, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose what always strikes me about this particular topic with sexual harassment and harassment is, and speaking like a true nerd now, it goes back to the definition of what those two things are. And the the important wording, as far as I'm concerned, when it comes to an employee or an employer considering what is or isn't appropriate, is the fact that they are unwanted behaviour. So if you have somebody, you know, after the fact, who's saying, oh, it was just banter, or I had absolutely no intention of making that person feel like this, you know, male or female. Um, unfortunately, it's too it's too late to be saying that because it it doesn't matter. The impact is on the individual who is on the receiving end of this type of behaviour. So, I suppose a common sense approach when it comes to employees would be, you know, if if it's not something you feel comfortable saying to somebody between nine to five, then don't say it at the at the Christmas party and don't let such courage be the reason why you think that it's somehow appropriate in, in, in a particular moment during an event. So, um, yeah, I totally um, agree with what Liam has said in terms of, um, and I've had many employers come to me in a really tricky situation where a complaint has been made and perhaps an employee has backtracked and doesn't want to stand behind the complaint or because there's, you know, generally speaking, a, a company presence, a large presence at a, a at a Christmas party, somebody else has witnessed something that they feel um, wasn't appropriate. And it look, it, the fact is that that does leave an employer in a really tricky situation, but I've yet to come across one that didn't want to understand and investigate what had happened in that situation. And I suppose it it lends itself, doesn't it, to the reason why employers in the first place don't want to find themselves on the receiving end of a claim. And it's just, it's not just looking at this through the vein of like a legal threat, which there are lots of from a health and safety perspective and an equality law perspective, but also like in the, in the digital age we live in now where everybody can access what's gone on at each other's workplace parties because of you know videos going viral etc and there's massive reputational impact here for employers um lots of them will have just absolutely zero tolerance policies when it comes to um sexual harassment complaints whether or not that um prescribes with the accompanying law and the accompanying protections is another thing but um yeah there's lots of things to be mindful from an employer's perspective um but i always go back to the to the key fact that you know um it's unwanted behavior it doesn't matter at the end of the day what a person did or did not intend as part of that behavior um so it's better to you know to have a bit of common sense and refrain from any type of banter that you're just not sure in terms of how it might be received. Or even if you think you know how it's going to be received as an employee, you should just probably refrain from it. Yeah, definitely. And I suppose it's important when, when we speak in the legal sense, because all of those things will go back to 
the foundations if they do come to a third party or yeah exactly like it's it's like even in terms of preparing as a lawyer for a, a, a subject matter like this you try hard not to come across as the as the Grinch and the, you know, the the naysayer when it comes to the Christmas party. But the reality here is that you have employers on the receiving end of equality claims at the end of, of the day because the sexual harassment and harassment are, um, you know, they're prescribed forms of unwanted conduct pursuant to Irish equality legislation. Um, and, uh, you know, so, there, so there's a real reason why we recommend employers prepare um, for workplace events, including the party, and also manage to prepare for, um, you know, these types of things all year round and not just come the end of November, early December. Right. And, you know, RWRC prescribes, a, you know, a, a manner in which employers are should um, address these issues. And we have a code of practice on bullying and harassment. And when an employer is trying to defend something that has happened on their watch, which will be the case at a Christmas party, they were, there will be a level of expectation that training as regards, you know, appropriate types of behaviour, what is bullying in Ireland, what's harassment, sexual harassment, all of those things will, you know, an adjudication officer will expect to have been covered off in training year round um, in an employer. Um, so, I mean, the you know, the, there's a threshold there of minimum expectation and um, setting out the rules of prescribed behaviour around, you know, for attending the workplace parties, only one part of it. And then the other things, sorry, I won't interject, Ashley's point is, is, is very well made. Even with an organisation doing all that, sometimes what, what happens is there may actually be a client of that particular organisation who comes as a guest and, you know, or it may be a contractor or it may, it may be somebody who, who's working in the particular hostelry. Um, so it's really difficult for employers, Owen, I, you know, my, my empathy is with them in terms of you train your staff, you set the expectations, you do the training, and then somebody from an external client company happens to be there because there's a little bit of corporate entertainment and they say or do something uh, that's entirely inappropriate or unacceptable. So, you know, the organisation is is obviously vicariously liable for that interaction as well. So it, it really is difficult for employers um, to to I suppose um, cover all the bases in terms of you know you are sort of by by hosting the event leaving yourself open. I think as Ashley has said, all you can do is try and cover as much as possible in terms of the training and the policies and procedures and setting expectations. But unfortunately, sometimes it can be somebody from entirely outside the organization who comes in and and maybe causes an issue or there's an incident involving somebody who's not an employee of the organization, but they've said or acted in a certain way contrary to, um, to, to the company's standards of behaviors and have interacted with um, the company's employee in, in a wrong sense. And that can be quite a tricky situation for the for the employer to navigate on, I think. Definitely. Another point you mentioned there, Ashing, uh, equality. Um, and a bit of a segue then to my next question, discrimination, Ashing. How do we, I suppose, what do we kind of have to look out for in that regard when it comes to Christmas parties? Because that's something that does come up again and again. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, the human nature, the whole bandwidth of that is it's probably worth setting out the discriminatory grounds in Ireland, you know, it's, there's nine of them and they cover things like gender, race, family status, civil status, um, amongst others. I suppose 
at the outset, the point I'd make is that a level of expectation that people may not want to attend your Christmas party, depending on what type of function you're putting on. So just to be mindful of your, um, you know, the demographic of your employees um, for religious reasons. Some people don't attend and won't attend a function that serves alcohol. Um, those people, of course, are entitled to as much respect not not to attend as as to those who are maybe consider the type of function you're putting on and whether or not it is something that's going to be inclusive of your entire workforce. Um, uh, you know, the, being mindful of the staff you have, the, you know, the backgrounds, the individual characteristics of your staff and making sure that the actual event you're throwing, uh, you know, if be at a party with alcohol, et cetera, is it appropriate and, and don't um, sanction, of, co- of course, or, you know, um, treat differently somebody who doesn't want to participate. An employee has an absolute right to say that they're not attending and, or, and they don't want to attend. Um, I'm seeing different types of events being thrown on foot of employers being more mindful of the dive, more diverse nature of, of workforces that we have in Ireland. Um, so day events, sporting events, things like that, um, it, it doesn't all necessarily have to revolve around alcohol. Um, and yeah, I suppose that's what springs to mind initially for me when you're talking about discrimination. It's being mindful of the demograph, being mindful of those protected characteristics. Subsequent to the party and whatever incident has happened at the party, it's going to be those protected characteristics that are used to, to you know, to um, foot a claim if, if there's a claim coming. So the flip side of being respectful of those discriminatory grounds is the fact that unfortunately after the fact you might have a claim against the employer because a woman has been treated inappropriately and she grounds it on the gender ground or a person with a disability, you know, was, I don't know, making up things now in the sense of like maybe an inappropriate comment about that person's disability will then lead to a potential disability discri- discrimination claim. So um, harassment as well. And um, it's it's probably, you know, outside the, the strict legal kind of HR group that deal with these matters day in, day out. Harassment in Ireland is linked to those nine discriminatory grounds. So it, it, it is, it's not just somebody saying I felt harassed by so-and-so just because it, uh, as part of making a technical legal argument, an employee has to say, I felt harassed by so-and-so because I am female or because I have a disability. Um, and so, I mean, in order to prevent from all types of accusations as an employer, you should, the employer, and this will be individual, of course, to each organisation, should be mindful of their demograph um, and plan accordingly. And definitely. And I suppose Liam is just one of those other bigger picture Things you have to think about, really, yeah. isn't it? It's not, I suppose, Christmas parties. Yes, there's an element of will the night be okay? But as Ashley said, there with discrimination, with sexual harassment, a lot of this stuff is the before, the during, and the after. So you really have to think about it in a bigger. You do, and the point is that Ashley has made is very well made in terms of, you know, the traditional Chris, Christmas party, um, and, you know, um, what what would have been the case you know, many years ago is now different in terms of the the society we, we, we live in. So I think it's it's positive that organizations would be providing different um opportunities. Um and, and I do think there's something nice on for organizations to do something during the day and to offer different alternatives to people. 
So it doesn't necessarily have to be um, a Christmas night um, event. It can be a day event. It can be a social event. It can be a team building event. Um, because obviously organizations and people within organizations have many demands uh, on them. Definitely. And it's actually something we, we kind of spoke about in our Q&A with, with Liam this week that we're going to launch as a blog later in the week. So do keep an eye out for that when it comes later in the week as well. Um, I suppose second to last question to yourself, Ashing, and I know this is devil's advocate or Grinch's advocate, let's say. Do we <laughs> simply, if we're HR teams, leaders, business owners, if we're a little bit worried, do we just simply go with the something else? Do we not risk the Christmas night out or what's your, I know. What's your thoughts? It's a tough one, isn't it? And I can certainly understand if somebody's had a bad experience, which I mean, being on the receiving end of a legal claim or having to launch a massive investigation, why an employer might not want to repeat that, you know, to facilitate that workplace event. But I'm of the belief that I wouldn't want to see a small minority ruin it for the majority in terms of actually being able to enjoy themselves with their colleagues. Most people, like the reality is most people know how to behave and will carry themselves absolutely fine as they do day in, day out in the workplace. Um, and it's just the, the the small few that that you have to be mindful of. So I'm very much of the view that the event itself should be protected, um, but mindful that the employer should be protecting itself um, in the running, in the organising, the planning, the running, um, and thereafter, um, and I suppose there are may- ways and means of doing that, like we've alluded to throughout this podcast. So, you know, setting in setting in place the the parameters, the rules, uh, you know, reminding people that their behaviour is. is, is you know, appropriate behaviour is expected just as it is in the office, kind of between the hours, between workplace hours, that the party is seen as an extension of the workplace and that whilst we want everybody to enjoy themselves, they have to bear that in mind, referring them to the policies that are already in existence in the organisation. Um, and then I suppose in a worst case scenario, dealing, you know, really promptly and reasonably with any incidents that arise and, and meeting them head on and not being afraid to do so because that will, you know, that will benefit an employer or should benefit an employer at a later stage if they're if they're trying to defend a claim. Um, so uh, I also think there is real merit in considering other alternatives to your typical party with alcohol. Um, and, you know, lots of organisations are doing that now. They're having a day event. They're being mindful of the people that, you know, different levels of ability or whatnot and who can attend what. And, and doing things different activities throughout a day I've partaken in them myself and they really do work and actually some of them some of them well possibly all of them have culminated in a dinner but you if you've attended a particular part of the day and the dinner and the drinks are not your bag then that's fine and you don't have to stay for that so yeah I think um thinking outside the box as well not just your typical like we'll all go to the pub for drinks whilst lots of people really enjoy that and you know I'm not saying that that should be extinguished I think it should be part of a bigger plan. 100%. So I suppose kind of final question, I'll come to both of you, but I'll come to yourself, Liam, first. I suppose then kind of any final words of advice for HR teams, business leaders ahead of the Christmas party? I know we've obviously covered a lot there, so it's more of a summary question than a, a new point question, but any kind of final final words? Yeah, I would echo what, what Ashley has, has just said. Um, I think organisations need to think about it, on. I really th- do think they, they need to think about what they're trying to achieve, um, how they can allow allow seems the wrong would encourage employees to enjoy themselves in the social setting without there being unintended 
events or consequences arising out of that. Um, nobody wants to see somebody, um, nobody wants to see anyone. And, you know, the other thing is from a health and safety point of view, no one wants to see anyone get injured um, at a Christmas party. And that has happened, um, you know. Um, nobody wants to see um, anyone get hurt. No one wants to see anyone overindulge. I, I do think in relation to the whole area of alcohol and alcohol consumption, again, without being approved, I do occasionally partake myself. Um, there needs to be parameters. I think if organizations are considering a free bar on, um, I think there would need to be caveats or protections put in place. I'm always reminded years ago I was at an event and a, a particular gentleman, they decided to limit the, the tokens to just two per person which I thought was a very you know, novel way of doing it. But unfortunately, some people were leaving earlier. And this particular gentleman, um, I think the bar was finishing up and he had lined up nine pints on the counter because he had received nine different tokens from different people who were departing. Now, I'm not sure that was within the realm of the particular organization. Um, it's a difficult one because you don't want to be approved. Um, you don't want to be seen as being you know, the Grinch or trying to stop people having fun or enjoy themselves, but equally, you do have a responsibility to all the people who are there. Um, and so it's a bit of a, a balancing act. Um, I think you encourage people to behave and you try and encourage um, your fellow colleagues um, to encourage that, that good behavior. And, and you cross your fingers. I echo what Ashley has said in terms of look, looking at different opportunities, because not everyone will be able to attend the traditional Christmas party because they may have commitments or they may not be in that that interested in, in going out on that particular occasion and that's okay too um but I, I i think having your policies and procedures in place and not being afraid to remind people or guide people in relation to that is is very very positive and i again agree if there is unfortunately an incident that happens that you take it seriously you follow up quickly and you do so in line with the policies and procedures. And I think, unfortunately, I, I would have seen a tradition in the past where, ah, well, sure, it was the Christmas party. Okay, that person had a little bit too much. We'll forget about it. And I, I think that would be the wrong approach to take on. I think, you know, quite rightly, the society that we live in now demands high expectations and high standards of conduct and behavior from people and high... Um, reputational value from organizations so Ashling is correct in that you know this will probably be out there um so people within society will be looking at your organization and say okay well you couldn't you couldn't control the incident that, that happened you couldn't eliminate the possibility of an incident happening but now there's an expectation on you as an organization to see how you're going to address that incident um and how, how your follow-up was um, so I think that's particularly important for organizations and people within organizations. Definitely. And I'm sure I'm not the only listener that got a, a chill there when you said the words free bar. That can be a, 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 re, a real bombshell within a, a Christmas night out, right? Um, I suppose, Ashley, then last word to yourself, any kind of final advice? I know you've given us loads there, but any, any final yeah, thoughts? I don't have a free bar. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, no, look, uh, what, what can I add to what I've already said? I think um, common sense approach, um, planning, preparation, making sure that your policies and training when it comes to this type of subject matter are in place constantly and not just, you know, in at the end of the year. Um, 
and then acting promptly um, if something does happen um, uh, and maybe thinking somewhat outside the box in terms of what your your workplace Christmas celebration might look like. Um, and that I know there will be organisations who, who have done that because of an incident that has happened. And unfortunately, that's just the reality of the society we live in nowadays because, you know, with videos going viral and this reputational damage and also nobody wants somebody to be on the receiving end of inappropriate behaviour um, and for, you know, what should be a celebration to turn into a nasty experience for somebody. And I must say it's it's definitely my experience that these things are just not tolerated anymore. Um, and, you know, employers, if anything, I'm trying to manage them through a process before you get to the conclusion that somebody's time may have come to an end as a result of something they've done at a Christmas party. Um, and I suppose I know I'm speaking as if I'm on, you know, strictly on the employer sense as, as an individual and as an employee, I think you take responsibility and you do actually have to do that from a health and safety perspective in this country and you take responsibility for your own behavior. Um, and if you do feel like something, um, you know, you're either on the receiving end of, of inappropriate behavior or maybe you felt you said something out of turn and you're, you know, agonizing over that. Maybe have a chat with HR to to to, to explain things, and uh, you know, at the end of the day, we're all humans, and um, there, there's a certain amount of this um, event that won't be prescribed for, and it's everybody's human reaction and you know, reasonable reaction to to what's gone on that matters. Definitely, so lots to think about, but thankfully that we can we can do as well. So thank you, Liam and Ashley, for a, a very practical, enjoyable discussion actually on that ahead of ahead of Christmas. I'm delighted we can finally start saying that word. Um, thank you to everyone for listening. we we'll catch you next week for the next installment of our podcast. So don't forget to click subscribe and join the discussion on our social media channels. If you are enjoying these episodes, do please feel free to share them with colleagues, friends and family. And even better, if you can leave us a review on whatever platform you're on, we'd really appreciate it. As always, for HR consultancy services and management you can trust, get in touch with us today at insidehr.ie. Thank you, Liam, and thank you, Ashley. Thank you. Thanks, all. Thanks for joining us today on the HR Room podcast, the podcast series from Insight HR that helps you create the human resources systems and workplace culture that's right for your business. For show notes and bonus content, go to www.insighthr.ie forward slash podcast. That's www.insighthr.ie forward slash podcast. We'd love it if you subscribe, like and share the show with any friends and colleagues who are looking for fresh ideas on how to create the ideal workplace for their business. And remember, if you need any HR support, get in touch with us at Insight HR. Whether it's conducting a complex workplace investigation, filling a gap by providing you with a virtual or an on-site HR resource, or providing advice via our HR support line, we'll help you resolve whatever human resources challenge your business is facing. Thanks, and see you soon.